Good morning, Church Unlimited. So good to be here uh, with you here in the West. And uh, this is my first time. And I was just thanking Pastor Tark for, you know, he's never heard me minister. It's just purely on the say-so of mum and dad. How, how, that, is, that, is that good? Is that good? <laughs> so anything could happen. But uh, let me start by bringing greetings to you from mum and dad. They made me make sure, start with saying, mum and dad send their loving greetings. And you guys are blessed to have had them minister here, I think, quite a few times, yes? Uh, and you guys are blessed. I'm hoping you're blessed when they come. I want to tell you, I've had 41 years. That's not how old they are. That's how old I am. Uh, Dad turned 57 last week, and he is just full of vision. He's ready to run just for decades to come. And uh, they're my natural parents, but they're my spiritual parents. They're my heroes. I am who I am today because of God, because of my wife, and because of mum and dad. They set me an example to follow. Even as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Set an example to the believers in speech, life, life uh, love, faith, and purity. We need some people that are worth following. And David and Margaret McCracken are worth following. I've had the privilege now of eight years full-time with them in ministry. I was pastoring before that. And we've got a team now, 13, six on the ministry team. And we all stand upon their shoulders and get to launch. How good is that? We are blessed. I am blessed. And so mum and dad send their greetings. I want to pray. We've got shorter time today. I'm looking forward to tonight as well. But I don't come bringing a message. I don't come bringing a sermon saying, okay, that would be a great sermon. Like dad, it's not the way we work. Blank document. Father, what do you want to say to this church right now? And so that's what I want to bring is a bunch of statements that God's laid upon my heart and I want to bring it out. But we need to hear the Spirit. We, we need to receive the Word of God always spirit to spirit. If you receive it just with your mind, there's logic, there's human reasoning, there's your experiences, and dare I say, for many of us, our lack of experiences that try to rob the Word of God. Many times not our experiences, it's our lack of. Because we prayed and it didn't happen. We believed it didn't happen. I, I stepped out and it didn't happen. It turned pear-shaped. But even as I say that, I feel God saying, reminding me in Hebrews 11, 11, when it, God gave this incredibly big um, promise to Abraham. And he says in that verse there, and Abraham believed that he who gave the promise was faithful. If we as believers place our greatest confidence in the promises of God, you will end up disappointed. Because many times the promises of God will not happen as you think they should happen. They will not happen in the timing or in the way. But it does not say that Abraham believed the promises of God. He says he believed that he who gave the promise was faithful. We need to have our greatest confidence in the God who gives the promises, not in the promises of God. The reason I believe in the promises of God is not because of what is said, but because of who said it. Who says it gives credibility to what is said. And, in the, and we need to have our greatest confidence that if the thing that God said does not happen how we think it will happen, we still have confidence in God because our confidence is in the right place. It's in Him, not just in what He said. And some of us need to shift this today. This is not what I plan to say, but it's what God's saying to me right now. For some of you in this place, you need to get your eyes back on the God who gives the promise and not get disillusioned yeah. by the promises right. because we see in part, we know in part. Yeah. When there's a discrepancy between what God has said and our reality, it's never a lack on God's part because he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Yeah. I say, God, I need to see what you see, feel what you feel. 
I need to have my ears hearing what your spirit is saying. So let's, let's, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you make it clear? Would you help me to uh, dispense all that is on your heart, all that you have revealed? Lord, I pray that every person will be encouraged, will be strengthened, will feel the heart of God, the largeness of God's heart for them. Lord, we ask for this in Jesus' name. And every hungry person said amen. amen. Praise God. With God, there's always more. I want you to think about that. With God, there's always more. Would you say that with God? There's always more. This is a phrase I just want, I just pray the Spirit of God, Spirit to Spirit. You just get what's on God's heart for you today. With God, there's always more. And God just started to speak this to me for you right now in this season. He spoke four things, so I want to bring them out. The first one is this, don't settle for less than God's best. This is my prayer for you. Don't settle for less than God's best. People settle for different things in life, but hang on, if God's best is my best. I don't want to settle for less than God's best. Anybody else here? And as God started to speak this to my heart, uh, I got a picture, and and Pastor Tark, I saw you. This is the phrase. And I just want to say also from the start, and Dad said it would be good to clarify, um, I've never been here. I don't know the church. Dad has not spoken to me uh, about anything at all. So anything that I'm coming with is just, this is what I feel God's saying. Is that cool? Just by way of integrity. And Dad said it's even good to say that. And so I actually shared just yesterday, I actually bubbled over and told him a couple things that, uh, that was on my heart for you. And all he did was smile at me and say, okay, you can tell them I haven't spoken to you. <laughs> all right. Don't settle for less than God's best. I saw Pastor Tark as a master architect. He has been instrumental in the design and the building of this house. And now I see an increase and I wrote it in bold and in capital letters because that was the, the, the impression I got in my heart. An increase in Pastor Tark being an architect for many other spiritual homes around the world. And I got the word buildings and I felt there's more buildings in the natural and more buildings of people's lives. And in the natural, this is what I felt. In addition to more of your own buildings, and I don't know if this is a future thing or what, but I, I, I saw two or three more in Auckland, okay? okay? Um, and I see you helping others, and this is so encouraging. I see you helping others who are not connected to you build their own spiritual homes. You helped others who are not connected. And this is a phrase God gave me actually in my motel this morning. Your, fingerprint, your fingerprints will be seen. I'm not just talking Pastor Tark, I'm talking you as a church. Your fingerprints will be seen on many buildings around the world. And God said it's going to cross denominational boundaries. I love it. I love it. We preach the kingdom of God. We preach the church until someone goes from our church to another church. And I want to tell you right now, there's many expressions, but there's one body. Everyone say one body. There's one body. And you know what? These different denominations, they're our brothers, they're our sisters. And when we help them succeed, God smiles. And I believe God is calling you to help some other denominations build their buildings. I see you doing this expecting nothing in return. That's the key. And as you do, God says you will not lose. <laughs> I also see you building more into people's lives. Uh, you, you're not just content for people to make decisions. You're passionate about seeing disciples who reproduce disciples. 
And I see this is about to go to a whole new level. And God said to me, it's about to explode on a global level. Disciples making disciples. And God said there's a, there's a link, a close link between the word buildings and the word architect. There's something about the pattern that makes it successful. Okay? And um, so that's about to explode. And linked to both of these is the phrase that God spoke to me, spiritual perception. Spiritual perception is about the things not seen. That's what life's about, isn't it? You know, it's about the things not seen. And God said this, it's about seeing things that are not as if they are. That's where faith comes in. It's seen before you see. It's seen before you see. And God said it's not about presumption or wishful thinking, but about faith and active anticipation. Active anticipation. And I've underlined active because it leapt out at me and God spoke to me and said, action is required before evidence is seen. When God speaks, there's something about stepping in. It's easy to say, I believe, I believe, I believe. But as I read this again, uh, even this morning, God started speaking. I I, want to prophesy there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Amen. And Ezekiel, can these bones live, said God. And Ezekiel answered like you and I, only God, you know. Let's put it back on God and go, no, I'm asking you. Can they, I want you to prophesy the life. God doesn't always want to speak the life. He wants us to speak the life. And active anticipation says we actually take action before we see the evidence. And there's some people in this room right now here today that you need to take some active anticipation of what God has promised. There's someone here in today that maybe you've been waiting for a child for a long time. The doctors say it is impossible, but I want to prophesy life into that situation. And God says it's time to get the baby's room ready. Active anticipation. Someone here who has had a diagnosis that your your walking is going to deteriorate and you will end up in a wheelchair. God says, go and buy some running shoes. Active anticipation. It is based not in what we see, but in what we hear, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. See, the enemy presents evidence. And says, it will never happen. Look at, the, look at the test results. Look at what the doctors say. Look at your reality. Look at your barrenness. Look at your limp. Look at, look at, look at. And God says, stop looking at, because faith is based on what we do not see, but it comes by hearing. But there needs to be active anticipation. Hmm. With God, there's always more. Can I hear an amen? amen. i got to settle down. Oh, let our spirits be enlarged. Many people, many churches settle for less than God's best. And I just come to you today and say, please don't. Yeah. Is that okay? Come on, come on. Let's not settle. In our marriages, we settle for less. In our family life, in our employment, in our finances, in our health, in our relationships, in our expectations about the future, in the calling of God, in Christian experience, in God's plan. The list goes on and on and on. So often we we, we believe for this, we believe for this, but God says, hang on, will you dare to not settle for less than my best? And that's what I want to declare over us. God is looking for some people that will walk in the fullness of his intention Hmm. for their lives and for this world. The fullness. The fullness. You know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't give a measure of himself. You're filled. Do you know if you've got God, anyone here got God living in you? Anyone? Come on. 
Let me give you a revelation. You cannot get more of God. We pray, God, all I want is more of you. If you've got him, you've got him in full. We need to start to have a revelation of the fullness of the God. He dwells in us. He fills every part in every way. We are filled to the measure of the glory of the goodness of God. Come on, come on, come on. We need a revelation of the largeness and the fullness of God in us. And God says, I'm looking for people that will walk in the fullness of my intention. Number one is don't settle for less than God's best. Number two, don't ask for less than God is willing to give. Uh Are you hearing me? God is willing and God is wanting to do so much more than we often ask him for. Mm -hmm. Hmm. God says today to you and God says today to me, pray big prayers because I'm a big God. See, we so often, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. We so often put degrees of difficulty on our prayers. We won't say that, but we do. We believe it's easier for God to heal a headache than it is to heal cancer. We believe it's easier for someone to, for God to heal a sprained wrist than it is to heal a broken leg. But I want to tell you, our God is limitless. You've got church unlimited. You've got the best name in the entire world. We serve an unlimited God, but he is unlimited in his power, not only to us, but through us. And God says, I need you to pray some bigger prayers. Church, I am speaking over you right now. It's time to pray some bigger prayers. The bigger prayers don't just reflect on you. They reflect on an unlimited God. Unlimited God. There's no limit on God's part. And we do put this. I remember seeing the Winter Olympics. And, and when they come down the, you know, where they come down the slope on the skis and they do some crazy aerial stuff and hope to land. You know the one? Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing one, and they came down, they did this incredible jump and came down. And as they landed, you know, they started to tilt over, and they regained it, and they got their score. I saw the next one come and land it perfectly, and they got a less score. And I thought, hang on. They landed it perfectly, and they said the degree of difficulty on the first was higher. Therefore, they didn't land it so well, but the degree of difficulty was higher. Therefore, they scored higher. And God said, this is how my church relates to me. They think there are degrees of difficulty. Some things are harder for God than others. I want to tell you that there's nothing hard for our God on any level. If he can speak and create life, if he can part a Red Sea, if he can make the sun stand still, if he can cause Lazarus out of the grave. There is nothing that you pray that is birthed by God that God cannot do. Don't ask prayers that insult God. Ask bigger prayers. Hmm. I have way too much fun up here. It is possible I'm going to go home a tired boy tomorrow. Too often, Part of our challenge in our personal world and in the church is we take too much of the Bible as figurative and symbolic and not literal as it is stated. Because surely God can't actually mean that. So what does it mean symbolically? Hmm. Here's a good one for you. Praying big prayers. Psalm chapter 2 verse 8. God says, ask me. Everyone say, ask me. 
God says, ask me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. Obviously, that doesn't mean what it says it means. What does that mean symbolically for us? No, I want to tell you, God says, if I can find some people that will dare to ask me, I will give you nations, whole people groups as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. But his lack is not in his ability. His lack at this time in history is people not asking. Don't ask. Small things. How many people know about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, about make disciples? See, we think that means when people get saved, let's make disciples. Let's put them through the discipleship course. Let's have these five people in youth. Let's get them discipled. And is that part of it? Absolutely. But what does it say? Jesus said in Matthew 18, 28, verse 18, and Jesus said, all authority. Everyone say all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now stop. What does it say in Luke 10, 19? I have given you authority over all the enemy's powers. I've been given it, now I'm giving it to you. All authority. Therefore, in context to the all authority that God has given to us, go and make disciples of one or two people. Go and make disciples of 10 or 20 people. Go and make disciples of your little suburb. Go and make disciples of all nations, people groups. Surely that doesn't mean what it's... Maybe God says, I'm just looking for some people that are willing to ask for what I intend to give. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command. Verse 20 says this, And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Have a look what the Great Commission, the promise about making disciples of nations is sandwiched in between. You've got all power and authority because God gave it to Jesus and Jesus gave it to us. And he says, And I will always be with you. So when you are asking and when you are going, you have got all of God's invested authority and you've got his presence that will never leave. He fills us. So with the power and the presence, he says, now make disciples of all nations. Yeah. I can't do that. Hang on, you got the power, you got the presence. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's ask for bigger things. God says this church is called to be a world-changing church. Does anyone believe that? Yeah. Or do you think that's a nice cliche, but obviously that's not what it means. Are you hearing me? Yeah. we got to stop saying that sounds nice. we got to start anchoring ourselves to the truth. And let it enlarge something in our spirit, church. I'm excited for this church. I'm excited for the world because of this church. Are you excited for the world because of this church? Are you excited for your world because of you? Are you excited for your workplace because of you? Are you excited for your family because of you? Are you excited for your friends because of you? Dare I say it? Are you excited for your enemies because of you? Hmm. World-changing church and a culture-changing church. God actually believes this. Do you? He desires it. He is authored it. With God, there's always more. Would you say that? With God, there's always more. Don't settle less for God's best. Don't ask for less than God is willing to give. Number three, don't settle for the great things God has done. If some people in this church run the risk of something, it's that we have done so much, it's time to take it easy. God says, don't settle for the great things that God has done. God says, it's time to 
Celebrate past success, but don't settle for them. Oh, we need people that celebrate. Amen? We need thankful people. Remember the 10 lepers that came to Jesus? God healed them all. They went away. How many came back? What did Jesus say? Hang on, when they're 10. It is a good thing to give. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. We need to celebrate. Thank you, God, because it's not the work of our hands. It's the work of the Spirit. Unless the Lord builds the house. Those that labor, labor in vain. How many people are celebrating what God has done in your life and through Church Unlimited? Anyone? We need to celebrate. We need to give thanks. In fact, when the children of Israel were brought out of slavery into freedom and they crossed the Red Sea, was one of the first things God said, I want you to set up memorial stones. I want to make sure you remember what I have done. And not only you remember, make sure you tell your children and your children's children. Some of us need to start to testify more about what God has done rather than complain about what's happening in your world right now. What are you you sowing into your children's minds by your conversations around your dinner table? This is not what I intended to say, but it's what God is saying to me right now. Some of us are sowing so much negativity, we're seeing the results in their life, and we're complaining about the way our children are, yet the words that we're speaking are death and not life. But hang on, Steve, that's the facts. Hang on. The facts will always be there, but the truth is higher than the facts. And the truth is what God says. We can create life or death with our tongue. For some of us, we need to start speaking a bit more life. A bit more life. Let's celebrate past successes, but not settle there. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 is a very well-known passage of Scripture. It says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Does anyone know this passage? Now, when we read that, we normally always associate that with the bad things. Let's forget about them. But I want to declare to you today, in order for you to go to the next level, Pastor Tark, Pastor Adrian, in this church, you need to actually forget, not forget as in we ignore, not forget as in we, we don't like it. No, we celebrate it, but that's not where we're going to camp. You need to forget some of the good things that God has done. Not forget as in you don't remember, but that's not where you stay. Don't settle at the good things that God has done. Hmm. You've got to forget the former things. Do not dwell on those things. But that was good. That was, yeah, that's great. But don't dwell on that. Listen to the next verse. See, I am doing a new thing. This is God speaking. Hear the word of the Lord. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am doing a new thing. So many times we're asking God to do something. And God says, I'm already doing something. There is never a time that God is not working. There's never a time that God is not doing anything. I heard Pastor Jensen Franklin, probably my favorite preacher on the planet, and he said this at Planet Shakers Awakening um, back in April, and he made this statement, you know the one where it says, with God, nothing is impossible. Anyone heard that? And we know that means God can do anything. But he brought a different angle to it. He said, with God, nothing, doing nothing is impossible. Nothing, impossible. In my world, nothing is happening. Rubbish. In my family, nothing is happening. Rubbish. In my children, nothing is happening. Rubbish. With God, nothing is impossible. You say to a young person, what are you doing? Nothing. Where are you going? Nowhere. Who are you going with? Nowhere. No one. Uh, It's actually not true. Nothing is nothing. Nothing doesn't exist. Resting is not nothing. Resting is resting. Mm. What are you doing this afternoon? Nothing. You What, you cease to exist? 
and we translate this to God in our world, I want to tell you with God, nothing is actually impossible. He says, see, I am, not I will. Some of us need to step from the, from the place of God will, God will, to start to look for what God is doing now, because God is doing something. Oh, but there's only a small thing happening. In my marriage, is this much bad? Or has anything good happened? Well, he, he, he said one kind, okay, let's look at the one thing that God has done and start to, let's start to lean into that. Let's start to focus on that. Let's start to sow into that. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. God is not going to simply repeat the awesome things that he has done previously. You need to hear this, church. That was so good. Let's do that again. The amount of Christians that say, oh, I wish I long for the book of Acts again. I want to tell you, God doesn't long for the book of Acts again because the book of Acts was an insertion in time that God did something for a purpose to launch the church. He doesn't want to do the book of Acts in 2014. He says, I am doing a new thing and it will supersede the book of Acts because the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple and God is going from glory to glory to glory to glory glory, and he's doing a new thing. Hmm. He desires to do a new thing. You need to understand. Woo! We need to understand that God is the creator. See, we think God was the creator in Genesis and Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, but now he's the Messiah, he's the king. My God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything that God is, he has always been and he will always be. He doesn't cease being something that he is. And do you know what? Everything God does flows from who he is. He doesn't do anything that's separate to who he is. He loves because he is love. He gives peace because he is the Prince of Peace. He gives joy because in his presence, who he is, is the fullness of joy. He is joy, capital J. And you need to understand, we serve a creator. Everyone say creator. A creator brings new things into existence. And he says, I am. I am in the past. I am now. I am in the future. I am always a creator. So God is always doing something new. Hmm. That's nice. That's nice. So here's my question to you. God is always doing new things. He says, see, can you see it? Notice that statement. He starts with see. I am doing a new thing. Then he ends with, do you, do you perceive it? Can you see it? In other words, God can be doing something new and we don't see it because yeah. we're so focused on celebrating what's gone before yeah. or lamenting what's happening right now. And guys, it's, it's time. Oh, man, it's burning in my heart right now for some people in this room. This is the word of the Lord to you right now. It's time for you to see God is doing a new thing. Yeah. And now, not later, not next week, now it's springing up. Can you see it? Can you see it? You won't see it unless you're looking for it. Some of us need to lift our eyes from here to here. Hmm. Here's my question to you. Because God is doing something new and God is taking this church into a new season, a larger season, remember with God, <laughs> nothing is impossible and he's, uh, there's always more. There's always more. Here's my question. What will your response be when God does a new thing that you don't like or are not comfortable with? Because it will happen. People get so disgruntled in church when someone sits in their seat. And last time I checked, Jesus said, my house. So you're complaining, and it's not even your house. 
Get over yourself. <laughs> P.S. I love you. God is going to do some new things and you're not going to be comfortable with them all. That's a small thing, but let's take it on a big thing. Hang on. Whoa, whoa. Why are we doing that? I don't know, but are you going to stand there and criticize from the sidelines? Are you going to stand there and analyze it? Are you going to stand there and say all the reasons why it might not work? Or are you going to roll up your sleeves, hear the, believe that God has spoken to his appointed leaders and say, I'm going to be a part of this for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, because we're asking and God's going to give us the nations as our inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. With God, there's always more. Would you say it? With God, there's always more. Number four, and my time's almost up, and I reckon I'm doing pretty well because, as I said, 35 minutes normally is my introduction. So number four, (laughs) don't settle for less spiritual authority and influence than God desires for you. Don't settle for less spiritual authority. As I was praying for you as a church, God randomly just dropped a scripture into my heart and I had to look up where it was, and it's Psalm uh, chapter 50, verse 2, and it says this, From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. How good is that? From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. This is, actually, God's just saying to me right now, Pastor Tark and and, and elders and leaders, this this almost needs to be a a key scripture in the next 10 years. It's almost like you need to be, this needs to be in your way of thinking. From Zion... Perfect in beauty. See, not fighting, not upset, not disgruntled, not a little bit different from the world, but no, no, perfect in beauty. God shines forth. God's not coming back for a church limping across the line. He's coming for a triumphant, radiant church. That's who we're called to be. We're a bride. A bride is spotless. Come on. Perfect in beauty. I've always known that symbolically in the word of God, Zion represents the, anyone know? The church. That's what, so from the church, Perfect in beauty, God shines forth. But as I was just thinking about this, I felt God dropped this word into my heart for you as well, the word kingdom. And he said this church and this people need to be so familiar with and understand what the kingdom of God is all about. And I know the kingdom is the authority in a king's domain. It's the spiritual authority. In the New Testament, the word basilia, it's, it's, it's the authority of God. Are you with me? And so then I just felt God say, now go and look at the word Zion in the dictionary. So I looked at the word Zion in the dictionary. Listen to this. This is in the dictionary. And yes, it's a place and all that. And then it says this in brackets, in Christian thought, this is us. Zion is the kingdom of heaven, the Christian church. Now, I hadn't looked at that and God said, drop that scripture. And he started to talk to me about the kingdom. And this is what God is saying. When the church, the Christian church, walk in the kingdom authority, which is actually what Zion is, and we are perfect in beauty, God shines forth from that. And God invites you to go to a whole new level of spiritual authority. See, the Bible says in James 4, 7, you submit to God, you resist the devil, he's got to flee. Ephesians 2, verse 6, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Last time I checked, he's not sitting on a beanbag, but on a throne. And you are seated with him in heavenly places. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. we got to start to understand that the enemy should be more afraid of us than we are of him. we got to know who we are in Christ, whose we are in Christ. Me by myself? No, 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 no. I, I can't do anything but Christ in me. Come on, Christ in me. Christ in me. 
Christ in you. Come on, Christ in you. If he lives in you, he lives in you fully. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And every demon in hell has to be subject to the name of Jesus and not just the name of Jesus, but the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit lives in me. From Zion, from the church walking in kingdom authority. Have we got that? From the church walking in kingdom authority. That's, that's perfect in beauty. God shines forth. And I just want to encourage you. God says it's time to pick up the pace and pursue all that is on God's agenda for you corporately and individually. It might not be the word that you wanted to hear, but it's what God said. It's time to pick up the pace. Oh, come on, surely. No, we just need. No, it's time to pick up the pace and pursue all. Everyone say pursue all. And I just felt God say this. He's looking for some people that are willing and wanting, and will go to the grave empty of all the seeds of potential that God placed in us when he yeah, created us. It's wonderful that you've done all that, but are there more seeds of greatness, yeah. seeds yeah. of yeah. fruitfulness? Because everything in your life that ends in fruitfulness started as a seed that was actually placed in you before you were born. Mm-hmm. I can't do that yet because I'm not, hang on, it was placed in you before you were born. The seeds of the future promise. Thank you, Father. We're going to pray. I'm going to love and leave you. And I'll ask you to come back tonight. I want to build upon this, but God said, told me to speak into this phrase, don't settle at a place that God intends you to pass through. And he told me to talk about obstacles and failure and speak the word of the Lord. Many of you have disqualified yourself And God says, do not disqualify what he has qualified. And I'm going to bring life with the word tonight. And believe we've got to speak prophetically when we've got a bit more time. Is that cool? There's some resources out there. I'm going to encourage you to have a look at them. There's the USB Classics by Dad. uh, That's wonderful. Uh, And in um, Dad's book, You Did What? And my daily devotion, one year, believing in you. Christmas coming up. Grab them. It will bless you. God bless you. Thank you for having me. See you tonight.